Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. I'm Billy Unbody, kicking off your weekend with a Friday podcast. Coming off one of the better weeks we've had covering SMU sports in quite some time. Talk about the basketball team getting a historic win over number six Houston in Moody Coliseum. Women's basketball goes up to Cincinnati and gets a win. SMU football has a massive media availability. SMU football got a commitment in the 2023 class. We've got a lot to cover on this edition of the podcast, but there is no way we don't start this podcast out except for with the win for SMU basketball over Houston in Moody Coliseum. I tell you what, being there, that was one of the first times in quite some time that I've felt the real Moody Coliseum kind of be in play for the team. And it really aided the team, I think, in that win, an 85-83 win over Houston, uh, the number six ranked team in the country. And SMU just kind of wore them down in the second half. You know, there was an 11-point halftime deficit for the Mustangs, and they overcome it uh, and move on to 17-5 uh, and five overall, 8-2 and two in AAC play, getting themselves back in the conversation for the NCAA tournament. Uh, not completely on the bubble just yet, but in that next four out, I believe, in the latest ESPN bracketology. So uh, SMU used that Kendrick Davis impressive performance, 22 points, 17 of which came in the first half. Uh, they got you know huge, huge contributions. From, from guys like Marcus Weathers, Michael Weathers, um, you know, Emmanuel Bandamel had his moments, Stefan Todorovic uh, hit a pair of threes. Uh, this, uh, even Zach Nuttall uh, added 11 points uh, and, had, and, and shot three or four from beyond the arc. So, I mean, just a really incredible night. The crowd was behind the team from the get-go. You know, the students were there, uh, probably the best student turnout in years. Uh, for this team, and now they'll head up to East Carolina to face uh, the Pirates 5 p.m. on Saturday on ESPNU, and the Mustangs really have an opportunity here down the stretch to play their way into the NCAA tournament. I still think they need a very strong showing in the AAC tournament. Um, they'll go to Houston, of course, and face the Cougars on their floor, um, which will be a critical opportunity for a quad one win uh, and really a must win in my my opinion even after um, you know the game against Houston this week I, I've got to give a lot of credit to Tim Jankovic I mean this this game I, I think once they moved to that one three one you know they really stifled Houston they frustrated them the Cougars went ice cold um, they really couldn't buy a bucket you know Josh Carlton fouled out eventually it just took everybody um, from SMU to, to beat Houston. Uh, even down the stretch, I mean, the, the Emmanuel, ba Emmanuel Bandamel foul, and you can debate it you know, all day long whether it should have been a, a shooting foul or not, but uh, goes to the line for three shots, and Ed, Edwards, two-time SMU target, mind you, uh, missed the first, made the second, and then uh, the lane violation uh, sealed it for SMU. Uh, I mean, there are so many moments in that game where, one, they start out down 11-0. Uh, the 11-point halftime deficit was 51-40. And credit to SMU's offense. This was the difference in the Wichita game on Saturday. Before that, you know, the, the Shockers were red hot, but SMU's offense was brutal too. 
Um, this time, SMU's offense gave them a chance to win in the second half and overcome what was really a poor start. I mean, it looked like Houston was going to run SMU out of the gym, but instead uh, SMU was able to match um, eventually in the first half well enough to you know stay in the mix and um, you know get get the win ultimately. Uh, the second half, especially the second half of the second half, it was just tremendous uh, effort, tremendous uh, pressure. Uh, every every adjustment that was made was very well done. Uh, it was one of those games. I turned to you know somebody else after this. I said, if this is the team that you're going to get, there's there's no reason why they can't be an NCAA tournament team. It's consistency for this team. That's what it's always been, and that's what we've seen over the last few years. But this team has had the talent to do this. And so now, if you're asking you building on this, putting it together so that you can make an NCAA tournament appearance, um, and if you're Tim Jankovic, you know, potentially save your job, that's what's on the line down the stretch now. And we've seen this team play at that level. Can they do it down the stretch and and make this, this turnaround? Uh, this will be now a, a, an end of the season that you could really pay attention to. Uh, at least as of now, going into Saturday, going after leaving that Wichita State game, it was kind of like ship sunk. Houston's coming to town. Uh, SMU is heavy underdogs, you know, seven points, seven and a half, depending on where you saw it. Um, and you know, the Mustangs were able to overcome and and come away with a win. And uh, every Houston answer down the stretch too, um, especially in the final couple minutes there. SMU had an answer for, you know, there were a couple times where you thought, okay, maybe this is the one where Houston's going to, you know, get back on top and stay there, but no, they weren't able to. So credit to SMU, they, they rotated, they, they were able to, you know, really take advantage of kind of Houston's uh, limited bench and, and um, it paid off, you know, it, the, the, this was a game that was uh, an instant classic for SMU Huge credit to the staff. They deserve it uh, and the players for making it happen. So now they've got to go on the road, make sure they aren't still, you know, patting themselves on the back. That was something that even Tim Jankovich said in the postgame that they addressed early in the week. They said, you know, one, that they expect to beat Houston. But when they do, don't pat yourself on the back because we expected it. Move on to East Carolina. They have to win the week. So a lot of confidence coming from the coaching staff to the players going into that game and it paid off in the second half and, and just all the adjustments and how everyone played. And, you know, shout out to Kendrick Davis. He had a huge game against his home hometown school and, um, you know, just kind of cemented himself in that AAC player of the year conversation after kind of an up and down uh, run as of late. So big win for SME basketball had to lead off with that women's team. Kudos to them going on the road and, and beating Cincinnati. Um, you know, they're making some huge strides in year one under Toyel Wilson. Uh, so credit to them. Uh, but now it's time to move on to football. A uh, lot of news came out on uh, Thursday as well as just this week. So we're going to cover all of that. And let's lead off with the football team side of things. Uh, we got a chance uh, to talk with the entire football staff. Uh, Rhett Lashley, both coordinators, uh, all the assistants, even strength coach uh, Sean Griswold was there. Uh, just a tremendously run event by SMU uh, to get us all together. Uh, there were, you know, reporters from around the Metroplex and and kind of national as well uh, that were there. 
uh, on top of just the, you know, kind of usual beat writers. And, you know, it, it was just a good opportunity before the spring, uh, which will begin on Friday, March 4th, um, to get a chance to sit down with the staff and, and kind of talk about, you know, their move to SMU, um, what they're, um, you know, looking forward to, what they're focusing on, recruiting, everything. So it was a good, good uh, three and a half uh, hour uh, event that SMU had. So looking forward to doing that again, um, hopefully a couple times a year with the staff, honestly. And But I wanted to share some of the takeaways from it. Uh, you know, leading off with Rhett Lashley, he felt like the team really addressed a lot of good needs uh, through the final uh, national signing day, signing four players. They have five spots left, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, but just overall, they were able to address a lot of needs on the roster. You know, they signed, uh, you know, two defensive backs late. They signed a kicker in Colin Rogers and then also, um, you know, added a uh, kicker uh, in Colin Rogers or sorry, sorry, tight end in RJ Maryland as well, four-star tight end. Um, and now they've got a chance to look to the transfer portal, also recruit uh, the roster continuously keep those guys uh, staying for the spring and through the summer. That's always important. But I think overall, I mean, this is a, a program now where with five spots left, you've got to look to defensive line. I would say one to two spots on the defensive line would be great if you're SMU. Uh, another safety, another corner. Uh, they they added um, you know a lot of talent at, at linebacker in the transfer portal at the mid year. Um, I think addressing defensive needs is just what you would want to do if you're SMU, maybe another offensive lineman, and just keep stacking talent in the, in the trenches and on defense. Um, and, and this is a good way to kind of transition into what Scott Simon said, uh, which uh, is kind of funny to say, Simon says, but here we are. Uh, as he takes over this defense for Jim Levitt, they're going to base out of a 4 They're going to be multiple, a lot of good stuff from him. Uh, just as far as what they really prioritize as a defensive staff. Um, and, and it's, uh, you know, some of it is is your usual, you know, be physical, fundamentally sound. You've got to do all those things. But also, I just felt like, you know, the way he portrays his defense, getting ahead of the offenses on early downs, making sure they have to work the entire field, and going up against, you know, Hugh Freeze uh, every day in practice probably helped him. Uh, he did have a prior relationship with Rhett Lashley. They, they stopped over with each other at another stop. Um, and that's what a lot of the staff said, just getting a chance to work with Rhett Lashley who's waited so long for this opportunity to be a head coach. It uh, really seems like pretty much everybody uh, on staff, save for one or two, had a relationship with Rhett in some capacity in the past. So, um, But back to kind of defense, you know, this is a defense where you're going to have the nickelbacks be kind of a safety outside linebacker, uh, have to play in space. That's kind of the Fox position that we've seen in the past, um, you know, under Kevin Kane and, uh, you know, just try to have to play in space and, and cover. And it's a hard position to play while also having versatile safeties that can roll down, play in the field, play in the boundary, um, be physical in the run game, do all those things. I think when evaluating what they're looking for, you've got to add more defensive linemen. They're, they're high on Elijah Chapman, uh, Devere Levelston, Gary Wiley, Turner Cox, guys like that. Um, but they know they still got to add more um, to, to this mix. I, I think that's that's a given. You need more defensive linemen. Uh, I think they mentioned that they like to run 
nine to ten defensive linemen out there a game, which which sounds about right. Be two, uh, kind of three deep almost, you know, which is what you want. Um, and and linebackers critical too, just because of the versatility of the defense from what it sounds like, uh, which makes a lot of sense with the transfer additions they added in, um, as well as some of the other guys they have coming back. The big thing for Scott Simons going into the spring is going to be moving guys around. You know, can some guys roll down and play that nickelback spot? Uh, do we see uh, some of these corners move to safety or, or vice versa, uh, moving some of the guys that have played defensive end uh, maybe out to an outside linebacker or moving some of the outside linebackers like a Kiki Burns or Jimmy Phillips. Do they play with their hand in the dirt full time? Those will be things I'm interested to see. And it's just, quite frankly, we don't know. Uh, this whole staff and this transition as well to the offensive side of things is installing the playbooks this week. This is kind of their first week back from vacation that they're able to and, and getting their houses together and, and where they're going to live uh, to sit down and start installing things. You know, Kyle Cooper's taking over that nickelback spot and it's great for him because he's got help with Ricky Hunley, Scott Simons, and Craig Nivar on this in the sense that, you know, Kyle Cooper's transitioning back to the defensive side of the ball where he played his college ball at. But he doesn't he doesn't know the defense yet. And, you know, he was very honest, just said, look, I'm, I'm learning what my guys need to do. But from what I understand, they need to be able to play in space. They need to be able to play linebacker. They got to do this, got to do that. And a lot of, I thought this was interesting, what Kyle Cooper and Rhett Lashley have done in the past. They've picked out guys to attack that play that position. And so that gives him a kind of a unique understanding of who needs to play that spot and what they need to be to have the best opportunity to win, you know, at that position. So I, I think that was an interesting part of it. But having Ricky Hunley, Craig Nivar, Scott Simons all working around him is going to help him just transition back to that, that side of the ball in general. So I think that's an interesting part of that on the defensive side of the ball. Similarly, on the offensive side, everybody's starting to come together and install that offensive game plan. But it's kind of different in a way. Outside of Ricky Hundley and Scott Simons, who know that defense from Liberty, this is a group that, outside of Keenan Hall, uh, knows this playbook in one way or another. And it's Rhett Lashley's offense. It's evolved. And, you know, the one thing I thought was so interesting, you're listening to all these guys and you kind of add up all these things that are said. Garen Justice, Rob Likens, coach with Rhett Lashley on the field at Miami. Kyle Cooper, Johnny Brewer were there in off-field support um, roles. And then you have Casey Woods, who's been with him in the past. And you bring all these guys together and you see how the playbook has evolved. But also, this was a really good point. I forgot which coach mentioned it, but these coaches didn't go out on the field recruiting or on the road recruiting. So they all spent their time together breaking down playbook, how to add things, what works. And so that group really knows the playbook front and back for the most part um, really well. And uh, as they're sitting up there installing it, you know, piece by piece still, it's interesting to, you know, see the engagement from what they said of, you know, Keenan Hall asking questions about the offensive line and their steps and how that works um, because it impacts the running backs in their run or, or, or in their run. And um, similarly in the uh, pass protection, those are all things that, you know, from Casey Woods perspective, really excited him about that uh, group and just kind of uh, how they're going to work together. So I, I think the meshing of the offensive staff is probably one of the underrated 
parts of this staff. We'll see how it works out. Obviously, you have first-time, full-time position coaches with Johnny Brewer um, on that side of the ball. Uh, but, you know, he's sat in that quarterback room for years with Rhett Lashley now uh, and picked up on what's important. And uh, the quarterback battle for SMU between Tanner Mordecai and Preston Stone, that's going to be the top storyline of the spring. And he's kind of got to play, as he put it, a little bit of psychology with these guys. You know, they, they're both competitive. They both want to win. Um, but they've got to help each other. And he compared it to Derek King being at Miami. He kind of changed that whole quarterback room dynamic, just how much he worked with Tyler Van Dyke and Jake Garcia and, and helping those guys out. Uh, that's something that he wants his room to be a part of and, or, or to have. Um, and the quarterback competition, Rhett Lashley, Casey Woods, look, the best guy's going to play. They owe it to that team uh, to do that. And so that's kind of the overarching theme is competition with this team. And so, um, you know, he made no bones about it. That That's kind of how it's going to work. And, you know, they're both talented and do this and that well. But that was kind of the, the theme of the quarterback competition overall. One final note as we move into recruiting. Uh, Keenan Hall uh, went to Alex and Bobby Brown, the two two guys running the scouting and recruiting department for SMU, and said, whatever we do, we've got to be in the door at every Dallas high school and make sure that we have no stone left unturned. Um, and so I thought that was an interesting comment that he made, just that extra push to get into Dallas during those uh, eval periods was very important. So now um, that transitions to our final piece, which is Brandon Miaz Miazono. Uh, committing to SMU, 2023 Frisco linebacker um, announced his commitment. Uh, he is the second commitment in the 2023 class, joining Lucas Lovejoy, wideout Jackson Lavender. Um, and he just fell in love with the visit. Um, you know, Scott Simons, Warren Messer uh, really impressed him from his talks with them. And uh, when they sat down and, and said, maybe this is the, the right spot for me, that's kind of what he and his family came to. So 6'2", 200-pounder, uh, commits to SMU after his visit, ha held an, uh, an offer from Colorado and Incarnate Ward, so a little bit of a sleeper. Um, but I think when you watch him on film, he does you know a lot of things well. I didn't think anything really jumped off the tape at me as, as being elite, but a good pickup nonetheless to kind of get things going on the defensive side of the ball, uh, fresh off of National Sign Day. Uh, for the 2022 class. So SMU adds a local prospect uh, and Brandon Miazono. Uh, he played both sides of the ball, which I think is important for linebackers. It's shown to really be a key piece to having success at the next level as well as that um, two sides of the ball, um, you know, versatility. Uh, we saw it with, you know, a lot of prospects, uh, you know, just two I covered at LSU, Devin White, Patrick Queen, both played both sides of the ball in high school um, and were productive and really great at both. We're seeing that with a lot of NFL guys that, you know, that two sides of the ball um, versatility really helps them in the long run. So maybe a promising prospect here that they had on campus. They liked, they liked the film and they took his commitment. So looking forward to seeing Brandon Miazono uh, develop. Uh, one thing I will say is very physical. Uh, seems like he really hits well. Um, and so looking forward to seeing him develop, get out and see him in the spring as well. So 2023, Recruiting class off and running. We'll have plenty more on that front for you guys on theponyexpress.com. If you haven't checked us out, use that seven-day free trial. What better time with basketball? Tons of tons of uh, on-three-plus content coming your way 
uh, from this massive media availability that we had as well. Lots of stories on that front to come. Um, and if you haven't checked us out, use that seven free seven day free trial to do just that on theponyexpress.com. Quick reminder, guys, we did launch our YouTube channel. All the videos with the coaching staff will be on there. Uh, post-game videos, practice, things like that. So good time to subscribe and get that filed away as uh, those videos go up. But without further ado, going to wrap up this edition of the podcast, let you guys get to your weekend. Thank you guys for listening. Quick reminder to leave us a rating, leave us a review, and follow us on the Pony Express podcast wherever you catch your podcast at. Hope you guys have a great weekend. We'll be back next weekend with more on the Pony Express podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a good one.